there, everyone. Welcome to Fantasy for the Ages, the show where father and son get together and talk about fantasy, science fiction, and other nerdiness we feel like talking about. Today, it's just Jim here with you, the father of this show, and I'm coming to talk to you about an odd content topic, something of interest to me, and I think of every science fiction and fantasy fan out there. But before I get to that, just a reminder... If you're enjoying this content, be sure to go down below, look what that little thumb is, and click like. We appreciate when people do that and help YouTube know there's value here and they should be spreading the word with that wonderful little algorithm. If you haven't subscribed yet, we hope you will. And down in the show notes, all the other ways that you can interact with Zach and I, we love to hear from people. There's also that comment box. So especially after you hear what I have to say today, if you have other thoughts, put them down there. We always respond. Well, that's about all I've got in notes here today. So let me just jump into the content as I talk about who's winning the science fiction and fantasy streaming war. There's a lot of SFF content available these days to stream. We're not talking about the old days when that cheesy sci-fi channel content was all that you could get on cable or satellite, though I was there for that garbage, man. I mean, mm, gimme, gimme, gimme. <laughs> now, the stuff that we've got coming out today is mostly really high quality, high production value, big buck stuff. Studios are throwing money at science fiction and fantasy, and we love it. For me, based on my preference and what I watch, it's kind of a close thing between which of the streaming platforms is winning this. I mean, there's some that are barely even in the contest, but I definitely have a top two. But when I think of just where do I tune in for my science fiction and fantasy more than anywhere else, honestly, these days, it's Prime Video. They're putting out the most content that interests me. Of course, they have the controversial adaptation of The Wheel of Time out there. Season one, that was so long ago, seemingly. Season two, that is, well, from when I'm recording this, it drops next week. By the time you see this, it's been out already for a little while, and hopefully you agree with me by that time that it's flippin' fantastic and so much better than season one. I'm also spending time with Prime Video watching Battlestar Galactica, the 2004 reboot. I am binging a rewatch right now. I had choices where I could buy it, but honestly, Prime Video had it listed the best. Not the cheapest. The price was comparable to Apple TV, but Apple TV had it listed in some confusing, convoluted ways. Prime Video had it all laid out clear, so that's where I bought it. And I keep going back to Prime to watch more episodes. Now, you might be wondering why I bought it instead of just streaming it. Well, currently, Battlestar Galacta is not available to stream on any site I'm familiar with, any site that I already pay a subscription for. I had to buy it. But all the best sci-fi content, I do buy. It was kind of a shock I didn't already own this. So, now I have. Um, more on Prime Video. I mean, love it or hate it, The Rings of Power. They brought that to the screen last year. It's an adaptation of Tolkien work. I'm willing to watch pretty much anything set in Middle-earth, even though I did mostly, hmm, hate's a strong word, distinctly disliked 
season one of the rings of power nevertheless when they get around to rolling out a second season i'm sure i'm gonna watch it the boys i totally love that show despite it being a bit excessive with violence generally graphic content but that's what the comics it's based on are all about they're bringing it to life in a fairly faithful way now prime also scores with some add-on content that you can subscribe to so I currently have a subscription to AMC Plus, which gives me all the Walking Dead content, uh, all the old stuff, all the new content that's still coming out. And they've wrapped in with that what used to be the Shutter subscription. I used to have that by itself, but now it comes with AMC Plus. It's all packaged together. Shutter gives me all sorts of horror content, suspense stuff, the old slashers, the new freaking horror movies that are out there. So I've got it all through Prime Video. And there's plenty more that I haven't found time to watch in the SFF genre that is available on Prime. They're totally killing it with science fiction and fantasy content. Second up, this was the one that was close for me. Netflix gets plenty of my time. But that time comes and goes with when seasons drop. You know, they tend to do that format where they just drop a whole season, and then I'm all in, and then the season's done, and I go do other things for a while. But some of the content that has totally consumed me in recent years or even weeks in some cases, uh, Stranger Things, The Witcher, Wednesday, just that one season. I don't know if they're going to do any more. That was wonderful, but I'd watch more. Manifest, which started out in NBC, got dropped, got picked up by Netflix. They finished it strong. The Sandman. Now that got a lot of buzz, but I didn't really get into Sandman. I tried it, watched a couple episodes. Wasn't my jam, but high quality production, Shadow and Bone. I've only watched the first season of that so far. That was also very well done. I know there's more out there to watch. I'll get around to season two eventually. The third in my order of what consumes my time, how much I watch it, would be Apple TV+. Plus. They're putting out great content. I'm just not watching much of it yet. I find myself constantly saying, oh, yeah, I need to get around to watching that show about many of their shows. I've heard of them. They look great. I haven't fit them into my life yet. That's why it's only down at number three. But I have watched the first season of Foundation. High production. Uh, the storyline yeah, was loosely based on the books. It's an adaptation. They were talking about a lot of things that aren't actually in the books but our background are referenced in the books. I think they're getting more into the content I will recognize in season two, which is coming out now, but I haven't started it. Uh, Silo, first season of Silo was awesome. That's where I finally got my wife to watch consistently. She watched some of Foundation with me, but Silo, she was there for it. Oh yeah. A couple other shows I've dabbled with are C and Invasion. Again, I haven't watched much of them, just a couple episodes. And yeah, I got to go back and watch more. But there's only so much time in a day, in a week, in a month, in a year. I've also seen about uh, For All Mankind on Apple TV+. Plus. It looks intriguing. Next down on the list then would be Hulu and Disney+. Plus. Their own same company packaged together. I pay one price for a bundle now. And that brings a lot of content to my fingertips. Hulu, not so much for science fiction and fantasy. Uh, just a little bit out there. But on Disney Plus, we got all the Marvel stuff, which just keeps coming out. Movies and then content made for television. 
Star Wars, same thing. All the movies, they show up there, but then they keep putting out things. Ahsoka, 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 because <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched it yet, is out right now. And I will probably watch it, but I'm a little behind on my Star Wars stuff. I might be hitting a wall too much to keep going. I don't know. Probably why it's down at number four. Max, you know, previously HBO, stupid, stupid decision to just go with Max now. I mean, who's in charge of their branding? Fire them. Max is one. I wonder sometimes why I stay subscribed. I do know people who subscribe and then cancel their subscription until something else comes out they want to watch. I would probably save some money by doing that. But I'm faithful. I've held onto them since Game of Thrones. I loved Game of Thrones. Season 8 was a bit of a clunker, but still, as a thing, Game of Thrones was pretty righteous. And then I just kept it. They have other great, high-quality shows on Max that just aren't necessarily my thing, so I haven't given them the time. They maybe would be my thing if I watched them. But, you know, then along came House of the Dragon back in the Game of Thrones world. And uh, House of the Dragon rocked. Loved it. Eager for the next season when it comes out. But again, the other shows, good production value again, you can tell, but nothing that I've gone, I've got to watch that. Uh, one exception, The Last of Us. That was fantastic. I did a lot of content on a number of those episodes. So that was a win for Max. Thank you for validating that I keep giving you money. Next up, when I think of the content, how much I watch it would be Paramount+. Plus. They've cornered the market on the Star Trek content, and I am a, a Trekkie of sorts, not a diehard. I've got no shirt. I have to focus to do this, you know, but I do enjoy it when I watch it. I've watched a couple seasons of Star Trek Discovery. I've only watched the first season and then two episodes of second season of Picard. I haven't even touched Brave New Worlds yet, but I hear good things. I'll catch up on Star Trek eventually when I'm bored and have nothing else to do because it's there. And I will enjoy it. I know that. I just, mm. I go back to Paramount Plus, honestly, more for police procedurals. This is something my wife and I both enjoy. She's not so much into the Star Trek stuff, so I can't just sit down and watch with her to find other times. We'll watch NCIS or CSI. Now, we did get sucked in last year to watching Yellowstone. Uh, historical fiction, not really fantasy, but it was quite good. And then uh, we watched all the seasons except, except the last one that's waiting for us to get back to. We wanted to watch the prequels, so we watched 1883. That was kind of hard to watch. It was really well done, but also somewhat slow at times, thoughtful. 1923 is the other prequel we need to get back to and watch, and then we can finish Yellowstone. But yeah, we turn on Paramount Plus rather often just not for SFF so much. At the bottom, Peacock. It's been an afterthought. I admit I first subscribed to Peacock, how they finally got my money was that when the latest Halloween movie came out, it came out in theaters and on Peacock Premium at the same time. I wanted to watch that. I've watched all the Halloween movies. I'm a horror film buff. So yeah, I paid for that. And I just kept it because it doesn't cost me all that much actually. Halloween's no longer available there, but every now and then they put something out that I'll enjoy. Rarely does it have anything to do with science fiction and fantasy now. Like I will watch 
America's Got Talent. <laughs> or The Weakest Link. Okay, these have nothing to do with science fiction and fantasy. There is one show waiting for me on Peacock that I got to get back to, and that would be La Brea. That came out on NBC originally. Now you can find it all on Peacock. And I watched the first couple episodes, and I admit I quit watching because I was sure it would be canceled and didn't want to get invested. Turns out the third season is soon coming out. This was my kind of show. I just, no, I was like, this is on NBC. This will never last. And so I quit watching. What an idiot. I guess, you know, this one had enough fans. So I need to go watch La Brea. So those are my feelings. You know, what I'm watching. And for me, Prime Video's up there at the top. But, but who's winning? Now, some will tell you nobody's winning the streaming wars because so many of these companies are losing money. But, you know, I, I hope they don't lose too much because I still want lots of science fiction and fantasy quality content coming out for me to watch. It's a selfish reason. But there are other metrics you can look at then besides just what I like to see who we might say is winning in science fiction and fantasy or who's just winning overall and why. I've got a number of metrics to share with you here, and I'm specifically drawing, drawing in part from a June 6th article that Vulture.com put out on streaming media. If we look at just subscribers, who's winning that? Well, we put Apple TV Plus at the bottom because they don't release their subscriber numbers, so who knows? Peacock would be next, just 22 million people, not very many. Paramount Plus, 60 million. Max gets up to 97.6 million people. So there you're getting a little heftier. But Disney Plus and Hulu, that's combined now, and it's hard to tell how many have both. Subscriptions, like I do, just as a blend, their subscriber base is somewhere around 158 million. It's definitely higher than Max. We can go there. Above that is another one that's a little iffy, Prime Video. Jeff Bezos, Amazon, they don't officially list how many subscribers they have. Their subscribers are the people who have Prime. You don't pay anything extra to get Prime Video. It just comes with. It's a beautiful perk. How many people have Prime so they can watch Prime Video versus how many have it for free shipping or other discounts they get through having Amazon Prime? I don't know. But Prime Video is recognized as one of their most popular benefits. So plenty of these people probably do have Prime so they can watch all the TV content. And Amazon has shared that they have over 200 million members of Prime. So we'll put them way up there. But there's still one that's above. And that would be Netflix, which continues to rack it all in. Currently listed at 232.5 million subscribers. Now, why? Why are Netflix, Prime, and Disney Plus, Hulu up there at the very top? We could say, possibly because of all the science fiction and fantasy content. They've got some great stuff that's drawing a lot of people to them. Sure, they have other things, but why are they all way above Max? Max doesn't have as much. Neither does Paramount Plus, Peacock, or Apple TV Plus. But Apple TV might be up there because, again, it doesn't release its subscribers. So this Vulture.com article brought some other metrics in that I found interesting. The next one was audience impact. When they actually measure how many people are watching things and, you know, the Nielsen ratings and such. 
that gives you a different rating. You know, the actual content that are putting out there, how much buzz is it generating? How many people are tuning in? And the best the metrics can give us, give us a slightly different order. Number seven at the bottom is Peacock, which might have really been the bottom on the subscriber base too, because we just didn't know what to do with Apple TV+. Plus. Then from Peacock, we've got Paramount+, Plus, which was also just right there with Peacock before. Then we've got Apple TV+. Plus. Now, the problem for Apple TV Plus is they're putting out great content, solid quality, but it's hard to get access to it because you have to own an Apple TV or an Apple product to get their content. You cannot subscribe through any other device. They're tied to their hardware. That limits them. Now, they're saying, we're going to put this great stuff out. It'll drive people to our hardware. Is it working? Hard to say. Apple's still leveraging a lot of money, though, on these shows because they believe it does. And since I've been an Apple fan since the 80s, <laughs> this is not an issue for me, and I'll keep watching their content. Fourth, Prime Video. Again, great content, some strong fan bases, but they may be a little niche you know, on different things. They don't necessarily have one consistent brand that they're known for, like all the NCISs or something like that. Just a lot of hodgepodge of stuff, but some really good quality. There's something for just about everyone on Amazon. Third, how many people are tuning in is Disney Plus and Hulu. Again, there's a lot of subscribers there, and they're coming for Marvel, they're coming for Star Wars, but there's a lot of other kinds of things on Hulu, like uh, Only Murders in the Building, great show. I do enjoy that, but that's not SFF. So there are other things that you can find and access through here that are definitely drawing people's interest beyond SFF. Number two is Max. Again, a lot of great content that's outside the genre. It's definitely getting viewers. And then they come out with House of the Dragon and people come in for that sort of stuff and they really enjoy it. They do plan to put out another a Song of Ice and Fire type show. They're developing something on Jon Snow and his further story after he goes north of the wall. So they're leaning into what works, I guess. Then we get to number one still, Netflix. They appear to still have the most viewers as well. The most people are tuning in for their content, but it tends to be binge moments. You know, Stranger Things drops, everybody quits what they're doing and watches Stranger Things. Then it's over and they go do other stuff. Same thing with The Witcher, same thing with Shadow and Bone, or, or whatever, you name the show. They get their moments, and then they got a lot of their other content that people are like, yeah, it's okay. But they have their major ones that come in and everybody's talking about them. That's working well for Netflix still. So number one, an audience impact. Another metric was momentum. Now this measures what's happening to the subscriber base. Is it rising? Is it falling? Is it flat? What kind of buzz is the content they're putting out there generating? Is it average? Are they getting panned? Or are people raving? Are the critics happy? Does the direction, the content coming out, does it seem to be leading them in positive directions? Or are they dropping? So here we've got some interesting numbers that are very different than the other metrics. It makes it kind of confusing and hard to figure out who's winning the streaming war. Number seven of these seven that I'm talking about is actually Disney Plus and Hulu. They're hemorrhaging subscriptions. Now, keep in mind, 
these streaming channels, these big boys, they're not just about the United States where I am. These are global subscriptions. I was actually in the news recently, Disney Plus, losing tons of subscribers from India. Just falling out of favor. Nobody cares anymore. There's over a billion people who live in India. Okay, that, that hurts. These subscriber numbers are not healthy for Disney Plus and Hulu. You know, people are kind of getting worn out with Marvel and Star Wars. And then you're like, and what else is there? What else gets people really excited? How many princess movies can you watch? <laughs> Apparently not very many. They've got to figure out what they're doing there. Even the original content they're bringing out is not grabbing new subscribers. They're going the wrong direction. They're down at number seven. Number six is Prime Video. This one's interesting. Again, they're getting a lot of viewers. They have a lot of fans. But they're spending way much more money than some of these other networks are. I mean, they spent over a billion dollars on season one of The Rings of Power. And it did not generate the kind of energy that they were, were hoping for, certainly for that kind of money. As long as Prime Video puts out content like that, that costs them so much negative, it's hard for them to get much momentum. Sure, they've got their wins. Jack Ryan was a great show that has now run its course. The Wheel of Time, they're putting a lot of marketing money into that right now this week as it's about to come out. I'm hoping that's going to be a big boost for them. We'll see. If you just ask anybody, though, hey, what do you watch on Prime Video? A lot of people, it's, it's crickets. They're not really talking too much. Uh, the Boys might be the closest. Gets a lot of people talking about it. I'm a big Wheel of Time fan outside of the niche. How many people are talking about it? It got more viewers than people who knew about the books. But has it really broken through big time yet? No. Maybe season two will do it. Number five, Apple TV+. Plus. Again, they're kind of just floating where they are. Great content. Not all that many people tuning in because limited access. Still, I hope they keep putting out that content because, wow, they really are nailing the science fiction side of things. I mean, uh, Foundation, Silo, those are two that I've watched. They're solidly in science fiction and done so well. And then other shows that are out there waiting for me. Really, there's more science fiction available there than anywhere else. Paramount Plus, they've got their Star Trek stuff, but that's it. They're just in the Star Trek field. Apple TV's diversified, and they've got some things nobody's heard of until it comes there. And it's an amazing show, but they don't have enough viewers. Number four is Netflix. They're just kind of hanging in the middle when it comes to momentum. They're huge. They're not really growing. They may have hit the point where they've got all the people they're going to get. There's only so many people who want to subscribe to Netflix. They're not hemorrhaging viewers. They're just not expanding so much anymore. They're just kind of hanging up there on top. Max is number three. Again, not really growing that much, but they're not struggling. They're holding pretty much where they are. Paramount Plus, they're actually increasing. They're number two. Uh, they've been really marketing themselves well. Some of their newer Star Trek content has found new audiences. Brave New Worlds, Strange New Worlds, excuse me, is talked about very highly. It's one of the, the best Star Trek for just attracting everybody that's been out there in a while, apparently. I've yet to watch it. I will get to it. But number one is Peacock. Now, they were at the, at the bottom of these previous lists. 
Why are they number one? Well, they've had some hits recently, not science fiction and fantasy stuff. But they have actually put some content out there that's gotten people to notice. So they're growing in subscribers. I mean, the first couple of years being out there, they were just an also-ran. Practically a joke. Laugh at the bird. <laughs> now Peacock is preening its feathers. It's growing quickly. It's headed good directions. People running this premium service now seem to have figured it out. Which probably means they'll start charging more money soon as more people join. All right, that leaves me with just a couple more. One more metric from Vulture was they just, they surveyed 13 insiders, people who are in Hollywood, in Wall Street, and their area of purview is to pay attention to the entertainment industry. So they know what's happening in streaming. They're measuring how profitable these things are, how well these are being run, what kind of marketing choices are being made, what kind of deals with, production studios, and such. And so they have their own rating. These ratings have to do a lot with uh, what the future looks like, one might say, how sustainable what we're seeing is right now. So for them, uh, number seven, to be number seven on this list is bad news if these guys know what they're talking about. And that's Paramount Plus. Even though they seem to have some positive momentum right now, uh, the people who are surveyed, uh, they're gonna wait and see still and like this is considered the the network you could subscribe to that you least need one of the failings of paramount plus and they could fix this if they wanted to but it would mean changing some deals they've already made is they put out their new content it's on paramount plus then it disappears from paramount plus and it goes and shows up on netflix just be a little patient and your Netflix subscription will already get you most of what you could get by paying now for Paramount Plus. Is what they're putting out there so compelling that you've got to pay for it to have it this year instead of next year? A lot of people haven't decided that that's the truth yet. Now, I was with Paramount Plus back when they were just CBS streaming. And they got me in back then because Star Trek Discovery. That was the hook. And that was the big thing they rolled out early on with CBS streaming. So they had something that was compelling that I wanted to have now. Not enough people agree with me apparently yet. Peacock is number six. Again, the insiders are not convinced. Yeah, they got a little buzz right now, a little momentum. Will it last? They're gonna, they're like, show us, show us more. Number five is Prime Video because the insiders see the kind of money Amazon's spending and the lack of results they're getting is unsustainable. Bad business model. Doesn't matter how much they're making on all this shipping all over the world with buying absolute crap that you can get anywhere next day. Sometimes same day. I mean, they've got that, that market cornered. Still, how many millions and billions can you throw away making great shows that not enough people watch? And that doesn't seem to drive more profitability. So Prime Video is down at number five. Number four, Apple TV Plus. The insiders, they agree with things I've already said here. Great content, consistent quality, not enough people access it. They think Apple might be making a bad business choice in not finding ways to allow people to subscribe without having Apple devices. But I know Apple's going to stick with its guns. It knows what it's doing, and it's been extremely profitable as a company. It has no reason to waver.
It'll just keep putting out content that gets even, even better. So everybody's got to buy one of those Apple TV devices. Or just watch it on their phone. You watch it on your phone. Get the big iPad. I got the big iPad Pro. It's a big enough screen. Number three, Disney Plus and Hulu is up there. The number two is Netflix. And number one is Max. The insiders remain very impressed with Max, actually. Not just because of the content they're putting out, but other content they were willing to axe. Netflix does a little of this too, but perhaps a little trigger happy. Netflix just throws out new shows and then they're gone because they just drop a whole season. And then there's never a season two that you're left hanging and they've done it too many times. So now people are almost like, well, should I watch this show? Because what if I like it and then it doesn't come back? Max, a little more consistent with the shows that it puts out there and it lets run for a few seasons. They also don't do usually the whole binge thing. They're a week to week to week, so they hang on to people for a while. But Max has made wiser choices with the shows it has going. And then other shows that it just purges if the numbers aren't there, but they do it more thoughtfully. They don't seem to take as many chances. Max is proving a little more profitable, according to the insiders, being better run. So to be profitable, they have to charge money. My last metric is... Okay, how much am I actually paying for these things? The price is going up on a number of these because they've decided this is where people are going to put their money. And if we're going to have more people watching, we have to have the best content possible. So we have to spend more to make content. So we need to charge people more money. It's kind of how it works, I guess. I'm going to start at the top and work my way down this time. I am paying, number one, I'm not going to tell you the exact dollar, but I'm going to tell you how much money compared to the others goes out. Disney Plus and Hulu get the most money from me per month because it's bundled. Separately, they would not either one be number one, but I pay for them as a set deal. So technically, I pay less for Disney Plus than I would have on its own because I also have Hulu. But they get the most of my money every month. And thankfully, I do watch a lot of their content. Number two, oh, um, backing up, it's not science fiction and fantasy content I watch so much. I do watch some Marvel. I do watch some Star Wars. But I watch a lot of network shows on Hulu that I can get like next day when it comes to on Hulu. That's what Hulu is doing well. They got a lot of deals with Fox, you know, various TV channels that it shows one day and the next day it's over here on Hulu. And that's what I'm watching it. So that's why they get the most of my money. Number two, Apple TV Plus. They get more of my money. Again, not so much just for Apple TV Plus. It's bundled. I'm also getting Apple Arcade, which I really don't play. Apple Music, which I do use. Some iCloud storage. It, it's all packaged together. So Apple each month gets the second most for me of anything that I get streaming through. Number three is Netflix. Recently raised the rates again. But I've been with Netflix a long time, going all the way back to when I had two CDs coming in the mail to me that far back. So Netflix, I've never left. And they continue to get the third highest amount of my money. Number four is Max. Again, that one, maybe I should drop from time to time. It's pretty effortless to get back into it. But all told, I'm not paying all that much for streaming video. So it just kind of hangs around. Number five, Paramount Plus. It's quite a bit cheaper than Max for me. Below that, Peacock, which is still pretty much a steal, but since I don't watch it much at all, that's good. Or I probably would have axed it. 
The cheapest of all, though, and the best deal by far for me is Prime Video because I don't pay anything extra. I have Prime because I lived in Alaska and needed the free shipping that I could get up there. And I've kept it because I continue to appreciate free shipping, even though shipping doesn't cost as much now as it did to Alaska. I, I like being a Prime member. I like the various benefits I get from it. I love my Kindle and all the Kindle content that I get also through Prime. Audible is tied into Prime now, Amazon Prime. So all these things are part of what I love Prime for. Oh, and it also has TV content that I didn't pay anything for. Sweet. Of course, I have chosen to add on AMC Plus and Shudder. But those two add-ons cost less than anything I'm playing, paying for any of those other networks. So it's a pittance every month. Good deal. All right. Does that really say then who's winning? Oh, hard to say. Again, I'm really happy with Prime Video. You could hear the ones that were mentioned the most. You know, Netflix is up there. Disney Plus and Hulu are up there. Max is up there. Apple TV Plus is trying to be up there, but they're still too... Narrow and who can watch. Paramount Plus, Peacock. Sorry, you guys are the also-rans. There's no way around it. Let me know your thoughts then. Put it down in the comments. What do you think? Which one do you think is winning the SFF streaming wars? Not just streaming overall, but what's giving you the best content? What is getting the most buzz from audiences for their science fiction and fantasy media? And let's keep watching this stuff, people, and talking about it on Twitter. I don't want to say I'm on X. I still feel silly about that. Uh, but let's let people know we're watching this stuff so that they keep putting the content out. All right. Let me run my outro now just to remind you of all the ways you can get in touch with myself, with Zach. So look on the side there. You see our various social media things. Our Discord server, definitely. Join us in Discord. Hang out with about 100 people talking about fantasy, science fiction, other things that are going on in life, our pet pictures, whatever. We do have a Patreon page. Uh, we just added a new Patreon the other day. I shouted about the last episode, but hey, we called our another shout out. Uh, we appreciate our supporters there. We're all over social media, even Mastodon, just and Red. Reds. Reds. Anyways, there you go. Thanks for joining me. We'll talk to you next time.